Welcome back to another episode of the Three Peep Podcast. I'm your host for this week, Alex Castle, and I am joined by Stephen Bonazzo, Josh Ramowitz. Season three, episode two, man, oh man, do we have a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about yesterday with the NBA, how it went off with the trades, also see how these teams are going to rebound from these trades. Then we got the beginning of the NHL season to talk about the new schedule, how, how teams are playing each other more than usual. It's going to be great. And then we're finally finishing off with what we got from the NFL. And now for the NBA, James Harden to Brooklyn. I could not believe it when I saw it. But I'm going to give you my opinion later. We're now going to bring in our Brooklyn Nets analyst, Josh Fromwitz. Josh, big fan of the Nets. I know your opinions, but I think the folks want to hear what in your mind went down yesterday when you, when Brooklyn not only gave up three first round picks, but you said goodbye to the fro Jared Allen, Karis LeVert and Prince. I mean, I think yesterday was, it was definitely a tough day just to process the trade. There's a lot that happened. Basically, there were two separate trades that happened. Obviously, Jared, uh, James Harding became, uh, came to Brooklyn, sending over Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, whatever. And then after Karis LeVert got traded again, that sent him to the Pacers. Okay, if you want all the full details, check out our Instagram. It's all there. But like, I'm, so, I am very excited about James Harden. He's going to be in Brooklyn. He's going to be playing alongside uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. But you said... Losing the fro, Jared Allen, is definitely a huge loss for us because he was our defensive anchor, and the Nets were already a terrible defensive team to begin with, and now losing our defensive star puts us back even lower. We need to make another move to get a real center. Karis LeVert was a great scorer. I love him off the bench, but personally, I'd rather have James Harden than Karis LeVert. His ball handling is much better than Karras's. He's obviously an all-elite talent. So in that aspect, I'm glad we have Harden. Um, but another big part you said was the draft picks. We were getting rid of three draft picks and as well as pick swaps, which if we're not winning, is going to set us back just like the Boston trade did. So it's definitely very, very bold in a win-now mode. But I think we're, with all the pieces aligned the right way, this is a very good move and a very scary Nets team. Well, Josh, uh, sorry, Alex. Um, no, go for listen, it. You know, you, obviously you bring in a guy like James Harden, should benefit a team. I mean, the dude is all pro. He's how many all-star appearances. And he's a superstar in this league. The only problem I have with the Nets bringing him in bringing him in is like you said, all that future draft assets, you basically gave up your future for James Harden. And I don't know the percentage of how much you'll actually pay off. You got to think Kyrie Irving has a big ego and he's tough to control. And it's not just with Brooklyn. He's been like that with Boston, Cleveland. And then you have, Kevin Durant, all right, he's pretty good. But now James Harden, look what he put the Rockets through. So I'm just saying teaming up all three of those guys could work out really well, and they play well together, and you guys are a top team. Or it could go the other way, and you guys now, they're starting to argue with each other who wants to dominate the ball who wants to shoot all this other stuff that could happen and you gave up all your future draft assets so if it doesn't work out you're kind of screwed a little bit are you saying something josh or and uh, and then um so that's what i'm just you know a little torn about and the other thing too is i would have thought because harden was saying the situation in houston was non-fixable Clearly, he didn't want to be there. You would have thought that they would have no leverage, that they would basically have to give Harden for nothing, yet they still walked away with Karis LeVert, who then, they then swapped for Oladipo. All those first-round draft picks, 
and to be honest, got rid of Harden, his drama, and his contract. And they got a younger guy. So, listen, it could pay off, like I said, for the Nets, and they get an NBA championship, but I don't know. I don't know. I think I, it's tough because I definitely see your points, but I think the Harden situation – you got to look at differently because he openly went into the season. There was problems that really weren't fixable and he didn't want to be as open as he did, but I guess whatever was going on blew up. Okay. Look at Harden last year in Houston, the years before his, he was there for what, seven years, eight years, something Uh, something like that. Yeah. And look at the teammate and leader he was for that team. He always expected his teammates to give his best, which I guess is ironic because he wasn't given his best this year. I get that. But I think he really didn't have the motivation to be in Houston and wanted out. But look at his past seasons and what he brought out in his teammates. And I get it didn't lead to success right away. But I think with the right supporting cast, this is a very, very good move. Well, that's the thing. I You just got to hope that Kyrie – and listen, I saw Kyrie said he's excited now to come back to return to the Nets to play basketball and play with Harden and Kevin Durant again. So, listen, I'm not saying this is a bad move in general. I'm just saying that maybe it's not as good of a move as everyone thought. Like, when James Harden got – we're just thinking of uh, – being traded, you know, last year, like, that would have been big news. Like, holy crap, like, that's a good move for the Nets. Now, this year, I'm a little not sold on that side. Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying, and I agree. But, like I said, I think you got to look at it differently because he wasn't – in the best situation. So I think we're basically agreeing on the same thing. We think it can both be a good move for Brooklyn, but only time will tell. And I guess the only way of it actually paying off is if the Nets win a championship. Yeah, I I guess that's the final. We'll just have to wait and see. And really, I think both things have, you know, I think the Nets, there's the possibility of the Nets winning has a chance, but like I keep saying, there is that chance of them, you know, and it, it not working out, to be honest. There, there's a lot to look at this trade with both sides, and both of you guys have brought up some excellent points. Here's what I'll say. I wasn't a fan of it. I wasn't a fan of it. I feel like Brooklyn did give up a lot. However, looking at what they still have, it could work out. Joe Harris, tremendous player. He's not just a shooter. He knows how to drive to the lane. He knows how to finish. TLC, I'm very impressed with him. He's bringing that bubble game in. So, and Bruce Brown, how, how, I mean, he was out rebounding guys last night. So you got to look at that and bringing in Harden into the mix could work very nicely. My biggest concern is just the personalities. You know, Kyrie taking this time off right now, look, He's got personal stuff going on. Everyone's got stuff going on. You got to respect it. You got to give the guy his time back. Last night during the game, they said that he is looking forward to coming back, which is great news to hear. There's just no timetable. So hopefully if Kyrie comes back in the right headspace and Harden is ready to go and play with this team, you, you got a very dominant team. And I think when you bring up the slogan championship or bust, I think you're looking at a championship team. But nothing, as we know, is guaranteed. You know, yes, the Nets are the most dominant team in the East. And the Lakers could be the most dominant team in the West. But there could be teams that could slide under and take that. So my question for you, gentlemen, is we'll start off with Steve. Who are the threats to the Nets and the Lakers when it comes to the finals? Well, listen, for the Nets, you got to include the Bucs and Giannis Antetokounmpo. You know, you can't deny the you know deny him and that Bucks team granted last year they fell short 
but you gotta you gotta say they are a threat. Especially Giannis is locked up, so he he's all Milwaukee. He's not like, well, I could leave. You know, I could want to be traded. No, he's staying there. You know, he got paid. So the Bucks are it. You, you got to say the Heat again. Uh, Jimmy Butler's still there. They made it so close. I mean, they made the finals and they competed with the Lakers. So they want to get returned to that. For the West, uh, you know, the Clippers, they're playing some pretty good basketball right now. I know last week I was saying I wasn't too impressed with them, but kind of turned it around. And just having Kawhi and PG, those are two superstars in this league. They're going to compete well with uh, LeBron and AD. And I guess another West team, um, I really like uh, – I'm kind of torn between a few teams. Um, Whether it's – you know, listen, uh, I'm blanking on the team I'm trying to think of. But either way, I think the Clippers – um, well, definitely. And then when I think of the team, I don't know why I just blanked to them. Uh, but when I think of the team, I'll say it. But Josh, you could go to yours. Um, yeah. So I think for the East, it wouldn't be the Bucks necessarily. I I keep saying it. I I don't see them getting far with Giannis being the Jordan. He's more of a Pippin. But a team that I think that could surprise everyone was also involved in this trade, and that's the Indiana Pacers. I called last year the Heat being the sleeper team that goes deep in the finals, and I'm calling it now months early. I think the Pacers, if they're healthy, can be that sleeper team that goes far. Look at their depth. You replace an injury-prone uh, Victor Oladipo with a younger Karis LeVert. Granted, he is also injury-prone, but he's – a score off the bench five straight games 20 plus point games with the nets he only started like two or three of those games brings great energy leadership and then you add him two guys like tj warren demonta sabonis who was an all-star last year miles turner who always ends up top five in the league in blocks malcolm brogdon is a baller i really like that young team so they could definitely be a scary east team and you got to add in the Boston Celtics. When Kemba Walker returns, mixing him in with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Steve, I know you were, you talked about them last week as a disappointment. So I guess they heard what you're saying, and they took that uh, took that to heart, and they've been balling ever since. They're right now a top three team in the East, and I don't see them slowing down anytime soon. And then out in West, I, I want to say, besides the Clippers, because that's, that's an obvious one, the Nuggets with Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. Look at what they did in the playoffs. They were just a ridiculous duo. And Jamal Murray hasn't been his playoff self, but I think that's kind of like the the bubble hangover that's with no training camp is, is kicked in. So I think give it like a few weeks and Jamal Murray will start to look like his normal self. And another team that could be a surprise is the Dallas Mavericks. I think Luka Doncic is going to make a very strong case for MVP this season. And with a healthy Kristaps Porzingis, who just came back a few nights ago, I think that's going to be a scary dynamic duo. And they went pretty, they, they went pretty far last year. Um, if it weren't for the Clippers, like they would have made a nice little playoff run in the bubble. Well, it's funny. Every team you mentioned, like the Mavericks, um, I had that they were disappointing me, and so they must have listened to the podcast and then turned things around. But uh, listen, the Mavericks, how they're playing now, that especially now that Kristaps uh, Porzingis is back, they could definitely be a threat. But the ones I was thinking about that I forgot, because they're all far out west, is the Utah Jazz and the Suns. And the Suns are going to really seem like a surprise, but I don't know. I like them. I think with CP3 running the point, veteran guard who can shoot Devin Booker. I mean, Devin Booker has been a star in this league now, and he's still only like 23, but he's just really hasn't had any help. And CP three is that guy. I think it was a great trade they made. And then you got DeAndre Ayan, a young center who is a force down in the paint. So I think, uh, and then they have a lot of other young talent and pieces. Uh, that 
as well as Jay Crowder. That's probably my favorite part of that team. You have a forward in Jay Crowder who really was underrated in the Heat uh, finals run last year. Yeah, and they, I actually saw something. Jay Crowder supposedly had like a ton of offers. Like Almost every single team was bidding on him, but I guess he decided to go with Phoenix. I don't know if it was the money, um, whatever was in the contract that, you know, with the different uh, maybe trade as, um, you know, uh, options, player option, trade option, whatever. So I don't know why he decided to choose Phoenix. He could also just like the roster in the area. Either way, he chose Phoenix. Like Josh, you were saying, great piece. And then, and then the Jazz, you can't overlook Donovan Mitchell. Rudy Gobert is one of the best centers in the league defensively, so he can pair up well with Anthony Davis. Uh, and then, you know, they got Mike Conley, who is – he's not what he was in Memphis, but still a pretty solid veteran guard. Uh, you got Joe Inglis, I love. Experience, though. Oh, you're so, sorry. Yeah. So, listen, I think both those teams, they're definitely not championship contenders yet maybe but castle to your question i think they can definitely test the lakers uh and push them and make things harder for the lakers um you know i want to add one more thing because in my opinion this team will probably end up facing the lakers first round and i could honestly see it being a very good series what are your thoughts on the pelicans hmm that listen i love my zion i do and we saw what Brandon Ingram did last year, really took the next step. Lonzo, though, hasn't looked that impressive. And I just don't know if they're still too young, if they're still – you got Steven Adams, which is a great defensive presence there. But I still think they're a year or two away. Uh, and then I don't know how Van Gundy will do as a coach. So I think you got to give him a year. It's tough. He's he got a young roster. So, listen, I'm not going to say that they can't challenge the Lakers or another top team like the Clippers, but I still think they're a little time away to really become a force to be reckoned with. Both of you guys brought up great teams. Josh, specifically, I, I really have to agree with what you brought up. Looking at the East, I love Boston. I, I can't believe I'm saying that, but I like watching the Celtics. Jason Tatum is just incredible. I mean, he's such a young talent, and he's really exciting to watch. I like other key pieces on that team as well. Milwaukee, yes, I can see Milwaukee giving Brooklyn a hard time, but I'm not totally sold on Giannis. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's, he's a top player in the league, but I have to agree with Josh's point. I see him as more of a Pippen than a, than a Jordan. So I put a question mark on that one. Miami, I would have said in the beginning, yes, but they've kind of been disappointing me a little bit. So I'm not going to go with Miami. But I think the number one team to give Brooklyn a hard time is Indiana. I mean, getting Levert was just huge for them. I Sabonis, I mean, watching him play against the Knicks and the Nets was just – it was just something else. So I, I put Indiana as my number one team – and then in the West, the West is a little more difficult. But at the end of the day, I'm probably going to give it to the Clippers. Kawhi is starting to pick it up. He's starting to really, really pick it up, give those Kawhi numbers. I think Paul George is going to have a better season. I'm not a Paul George guy, but I think he will have a better season. But watch out for Denver. I like what I saw out of Denver. But I do agree that I think uh, Jamal still got a little bit of that that bubble hangover. So, which brings me to my next subject, you know, with COVID-19, the NBA last year had to finish their season in the bubble. We saw the Lakers win the championship in the bubble, which is great. Now we're looking at this season where you have teams playing back-to-back -back games in closer vicinities, but we've started to see some cancellations with games. The league's responding by, you know, trying to eliminate maybe less time with shootouts, guys interacting with each other after the game, stuff like that. And it seems to be mixed. You know, George Hill, he's a veteran guy. He's been in the league for a long time. He was quoted by saying, I'm a grown, I'm a grown man. 
if I want to leave my room for 24 hours and see my family, I'm going to do it. Which, listen, I understand where the guy is coming from, but at the end of the day, you opted into this season for a reason, and you got to follow by the league's rules. So I, I hope the NBA, you know, nips this in the butt. I, I hope we can contain it. I hope it's not going to continue and the league's going to have to pause. There, there's, a lot, there's a lot up in the air. Josh, where do you think the league goes? Do, do you see this just being something that they contain now and we see smooth sailing the rest of the season, or is this going to be a problem? I think it's tough because there's obviously no answer right now because I think this is something time will only tell. Um, I get the players' frustration because if they think about it, like the league could easily say, like, oh, we're going to move to a bubble location, in which case they won't see their family at all for however long that's going to be. So I get where guys like George Hill is coming from because I know he's – I'm sure he's not the only one who feels that way. But I think we saw the NFL. They had a rough patch where so many cancellations happened, postponements, star players out, whatever. And I think that we just kind of ride it out and let it ride its course. And then it'll not be smooth sailing, but I think it'll even out sort of if that makes sense yeah i think um to your point josh just kind of let it run its course if it really gets out of control then you got to take action like adam silver first did in march when covid19 first came into the country and guys like rudy gobert had it uh but i was reading at least for connecticut this is like the highest infectious rate that we've had even and like in general, during the pandemic, uh, when we first were quarantining and the pandemic first started, that rate was even lower than what it is now, but we're still kind of going on with not normal life, but we're still doing some normal things that we would uh, typically be doing. So you, I think Adam Silver definitely has to monitor it, but... You just if you got to cancel games, you got to cancel games. I like Josh, you were saying with the NFL did or even the MLB, there was a stretch where the Miami Marlins didn't play for like 10 days or even longer. They were like, uh, teams were starting to get in double digit wins and they didn't even play in double digit games. So the MLB had to go through it, but they able they were able to finish it and finish it strong. The NFL had pr- a lot of problems during the season with a lot of guys testing positive and coaches. Look at just the Browns this week. Uh, their whole like coaching staff had a coach from home, and they were missing some of the players, but they still play the game. Granted, an NFL roster is a lot larger than an NBA roster. But, listen, if you're missing guys or if you got to postpone games and reschedule them, it's just what it is right now. This is the times that we're living in. Um, you know, the NBA did a tremendous job in the bubble. And I know they didn't want to just go back to the bubble because a lot of guys, as much as they were glad to finish the season, the bubble was tough for them. They, uh, especially for their mental state, they weren't able to see their families. They weren't able to go anywhere. So it definitely took a toll on them. But I think the NBA should just continuing, continue what's going on now. Like me and Josh have been saying, let it kind of write its course. Hopefully things will get better. And uh, and guys like George Hill, I totally get where they're coming from. But you kind of have to choose. If you want to play basketball right now, then you have to really – it's a big commitment and it's tough. It's a tough choice. But you, you kind of have to just say, well, if I'm going to play right now, I have to follow all these rules or else NBA is going to get shut down or players are going to get – you know, there's going to be – consequences and other stuff. So it's definitely a tough, tough uh, choice and uh, situation going on with NBA. It really is, Steve. And you guys both made great points. At the end of the day, the league is just going to have to do what it needs to do to keep things going. Might not be smooth sailing, but hey, 
if these guys can continue to play and do what they need to do, that's the most important thing. So we hope that the NBA will resolve these problems. We got some great matchups going on tonight. We got Houston, we got Miami playing Philly, which I know is going to be a great matchup. A couple games ago, they went into overtime. So really excited to see what happens with that. But now switching gears in this COVID era, as you guys know as much as I do, we've been blessed to have multiple sports going on at once. And now we're blessed to have the NHL back in action. Very excited. I'm getting more into hockey this season. I can't believe I'm saying this because I live in New Jersey, but go Rangers. Got to rep MSG. So you guys, obviously bigger hockey fans than me. There's some changes that have occurred this season. We are now looking at a 56-game schedule. And teams play each other eight times, which you guys will go into depth about that, whether that's a lot or not. And, of course, we have no fans. So, Josh, I'm going to start off with you. I want you to, you know, tell me what you think of the new rules, the new layout for the season, and what are you expecting from the Rangers? I mean, obviously I'm excited that hockey's back and I get to see uh, the Rangers, which, I mean, I guess it's kind of funny that I'm a Ranger fan and a Nets fan, not an Islander fan but yeah I'm excited that uh Ranger Hockey's back we get to beat on the Islanders and Devils eight times that'll be fun um but I think because every single game is a rivalry game essentially every single game will be important every game will be competitive yes it's a lot that you're seeing your opponent you already know them so well for the most part because it's a rivalry I think the energy, even though there won't be fans, the players will bring their own energy like we're seeing in basketball, like we're seeing in football, to another level because they're playing their rivals every game. It'll be so much harder to make the playoffs in each division. And I think whoever ends up winning the Stanley Cup, this will be the most impressive championship run in hockey. I totally agree with that because – it, like you said, I mean, to play your rival, it just means a lot. But to do it eight times is – it means something. And that eighth time, whether the other team has won the seven other times that that other team won – like you want to win every single time. And I was uh, – because yesterday was opening day for the NHL, and I was watching a few games. But I was mainly watching the one at night between the St. Louis Blues and the Colorado Avalanche. and just just like you were saying how competitive those guys were i mean it felt like a playoff game and it was the first game of the season so if if that's what every game's going to be like oh count me in i'm so in for it um i'm looking forward to it i know i'm a sabers fan i might have to switch i don't know how good they'll be we did get taylor hall to pair up with eichel but we got the capitals so see how that goes but i know the Rangers fans, they're looking forward to see Lafreniere, number one overall pick. He's been praised. He's been uh, – he was the prized possession of almost the entire offseason, really, draft and free agency. But only one team could get him. The Rangers lucked out with a lottery. And the thing with the Rangers, though, obviously they were really impressive last year. They made the bubble. They lost first round to the Hurricanes. But it's tough this year. I mean, the division they're in, it's – they're Apple, in with uh, – The Flyers, the Islanders, all those teams made the bubble last year. It's going to be so tough to win. Oh, yeah. Like, whoever comes out of the East, they, they really deserved it. You know, then you have some weaker – like, the North, you got Toronto. Vancouver's not bad. Winnipeg's pretty good. I don't know how Edmonton is. One year they seem to be pretty good, and then the next no, year they don't, they don't make playoff runs. They have they have Connor McDavid, but it's like the Angels of of hockey. Yeah, well, they have two MVP type players, and uh, they have two. Yeah, but you know, I just I don't know with them. You know, the West. Uh, I was talking to my buddy who's a big hockey fan. Shout out uh, Trevor. He uh, he's a big Avalanche fan, so he's kind of giving me some info too. So, you know, he likes Avalanche out of the West, not just because he's a fan, but that's what everyone's been saying. The uh, Avalanche are the favorites to win. I know they lost yesterday, but listen, it's the first game back. You got to get into swing of things. 
Um, I know McKinnon, he's a monster, so he'll do pretty good for them. But I'm, I'm looking forward to the season, not only because it's a new season, but the, with the way Gary Bettman, the commissioner of the NHL, set everything up, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be uh, a lot of great action, a lot of great games. And, you know, hopefully the Rangers will have some success. The Sabres, uh, I mean, Castle, are you still room for the Devils or are you kind of switching to the Rangers? I'm all Rangers now. I'm, I'm all MSG. So okay. I, I'm, new, I'm new to this, but I do know that there's a lot of talent and I'm, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they could do. But it, it sounds like they really got their work cut out for them. Yeah. Well, I'm also interested to see how Jack Hughes on the Devils. I know he was the number one pick last year and I like the kid I just I still don't know if the Devils have enough to uh have him take the a next step but I know Kako yeah I mean to your point you started talking about Kapokako he looked good towards the end right before the bubble and he's still only 19 the Rangers are going to be having two teenagers playing big ice ice minutes like right away but i just want to say like how cool is it that the rangers open their season at the garden against the islanders like that's just it's gonna be so fun to watch you can't put it any better i mean this is this is why i think this season is going to be a, a great season and maybe one of the most entertaining seasons in recent memory and not that the nhl you know not that their seasons aren't entertaining but just this season really means a lot shorter game so each game means Every that much more something each loss will hurt each each team more and more each exactly. each game will almost feel like a playoff game because they will bring the intensity each game so i i definitely castle i know you said you don't watch hockey too much but i would say have msg on just on i don't even turn it off between the knicks and the rangers just keep it on so you can watch both Oh, yeah, this, from what you guys are saying, this sounds like a great season for me to really get into hockey. I mean, the fact that these games are like rivalry games, basically, the fact that the Rangers are starting off against the Islanders, I, you know, not knowing too much about hockey, I know how big of a rivalry that is. So I'm very excited, really excited for what's in store for this season. And I'm I'm honestly, I'm, I'm kind of happy that the NHL did this. In a way, they're they're really giving the fans something with the lack of attendance. So really looking forward to that and seeing what's to come with that. As much as I'd love to continue talking about hockey, we got to talk about football. There's a lot that's been going on aside from these games. Uh, First, we got to talk about briefly talk about the national championship. Alabama just killed it. And let me tell you something, Devonta Smith. Wow. He Five touchdowns. Five touchdowns. I mean That's Mac Jones. That's Mac Jones. All right, fair enough. What but, about Najee Harris too? <laughs> but Jalen Waddle, if we're naming all of their stars. Waddell, we, come we, on. <laughs> we, we we might as well say that Nick Saban can be credited for the five touchdowns. But I mean, I I watched him during that game and I said to myself, I wish he's gonna drop to 13 to the Giants, but he's not going to, unfortunately. But then again, as a Jet fan, I'm hoping we take him at two now. Well, I was going to ask you now, Josh. So here's where we currently are with, with the Jets. So Urban Meyer and his team are getting very close to signing with Jacksonville. Adam Schefter reported that that's the only team that's going to have him. So you got to wonder, you know, is the Ohio State, former Ohio State coach going to bring in Justin Fields. And hypothetically, if that's the case, where do the Jets go? Do they do they take Trevor Lawrence? Or do they bring Sammy some help and, and draft Smith? I'm 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 curious to see what where you think the Jets are thinking. I don't look, I the report all along has been Trevor Lawrence is going one. And I wanna think that he falls down to the Jets lap, but I don't see it happening. Urban Meyer, yes, he has the Ohio State connection. He never coached Justin Fields. He coached against Trevor Lawrence, so he's 
firsthandly seen the damage that kid has done. And I think whoever he ends up with is going to develop into a future stud quarterback. But I think the Jets are going to sit at two, weighing their options between if they want a quarterback in Justin Fields, not Trevor Lawrence, or if they want to give Sam Darnold some help, a Devontae Smith. If I were sitting in that draft room on draft day, I would say you draft Devontae Smith and you get Sam Darnold some help. Sam Darnold's past three years, he has had no weapons whatsoever. So I think drafting Devontae Smith, who is not the most, he is not the strongest, he's not the biggest, he's not the fastest receiver, but his route running ability, his separation, his what everything about him is the reason why he won the Heisman this year and why people are saying he is the best college athlete this year. It's definitely, it's definitely a lot to think about. I don't, like I said before, I don't think he's going to drop to us at the 11th pick, not the 13th pick, 11th pick. But at the end of the day, if I'm looking at it, I say you got to go for, for Trevor Lawrence. I mean, if he drops to you guys, he's a talent. That well, if he drops for sure, but that's a whole different question. I just don't right. think he drops in general. Right. right. If he doesn't drop, then I might look at Smith because I do like Darnold. I do like Darnold. I think that Darnold hasn't had help. He's shown flashes that he can be a great quarterback. He was taken – he was a top five pick, so you, you, you can't sleep on that. Uh, it, it'll be very interesting to see how this draft goes. I'm really curious to see where he ends up, but I was very, very impressed. I'll be honest. I think the Jets are in a very good place and not drafting at one because at the time I was very upset that we won two games. But I think the Jaguars are in more pressure right now with weighing all their options. They might, they'll probably end up drafting Trevor Lawrence, but they're weighing every single option. And then it just helps out the Jets case even more so and in drafting someone. Absolutely. I do agree. The Jets are really in a great spot. I hope they find the coach that they're looking for. We'll see how they pan out. While we're on the subject of our favorite team, Steve, my condolences to you. It was a very tough wild card game. I was happy to see Jimmy Graham get that one-hander at the end. It was good to see Jimmy Graham like that. It was like fun that. to watch on Nickelodeon. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. Yes, Nickel for those of you who didn't, the Nickelodeon broadcast was absolutely entertaining. It was they they just did a great job with it. Um, but Steve, 20, 21 to nine was the final score. After the game, it was announced that you guys would be keeping Nagy and Ryan Pace. I know that you're not a big fan of that, so I want to hear your thoughts. And I also want to hear if you think that there there's any positive that comes out of keeping these guys. I'll try to keep it PG, but <laughs> but listen, I didn't like it. I like Nagy. I do like Nagy. I think he is a good coach. And same thing with Ryan Pace. Ryan Pace has made some great moves. The only thing I have the problem is we're just going to have another 8-8 eight and eight season probably, most likely, by keeping the, these two. Nagy, the problem with Nagy is it seems like his ego gets in the way. Um, he, he obviously was a play caller for the past two full seasons, most of this season, and then gave it up. I don't know if he ever really truly gave it up because then there were reports saying that he was back into play calling. And even Allen Robinson, our stud receiver who's more than likely gone, um, said he'd even know who was calling plays. I mean, that's just that's awful if you're a team. I don't care if it's high school, college, or especially the NFL. So I just wanted a new regime in. Um, I wanted a new head coach who who wouldn't call plays, who just wanted to focus on really improving the team. And because, I mean, you kind of see what you got from Nagy. And it's just, I don't know if he's that guy to bring us to the next level. And then with Ryan Pace, like I said, he's, he's drafted a lot of good guys. Darnell Moody, Eddie Jackson, Roquan Smith. 
he traded for Cleo Mack. But the problem is he's missed on all the chances for quarterback. He's had more than enough chances for quarterback. He signed Mike Lennon to a pretty lucrative deal. That didn't work out. Not surprised. He then traded up to get his boy, Mitch Trubisky. Now, listen, I love Mitch, but when Deshaun Watson is sitting there, take him. And then he traded for Nick Foles this offseason. That clearly didn't work out. So you're going to trust Ryan Pace to get another quarterback? Unless if he trades for Deshaun Watson, I don't know if I really trust him. And seeing a lot of reports, though, set with Deshaun Watson's name being brought up to Chicago, though. Well, it would be perfect. It would almost make up for the mistake that he made by drafting Mitch. Now, clearly, we could have just had Deshaun Watson for nothing, just using our draft pick. And then, you know, obviously, he's on the extension now. So, clearly, we'll have to give up a lot of future and maybe a player to get him. But pretty much do what you got to do to get him. So I guess the positive is there's there's still formality within the team. The guys are familiar with Nagy. Um, You know, sometimes, who knows, maybe Nagy just needs another year. Maybe this was a good learning year for Nagy. Um, But just seems like the Bears, especially the front office, uh, Ted Phillips, our president's still there. I don't like him. George McCaskey says he... He, you know, he wants to do what's best for the Bears, but I don't think he truly does. I don't think he really cares. Um, his grandfather, George Hallis, Papa Bear, is probably not too happy looking down. Uh, I mean, that was his team. That was his, like, life. And the Bears have just kind of been a joke in recent memory now. Pretty much since 1985, they made the Super Bowl again in 2007, 2006, um, you know, 2006, 2007. And really since then, just nothing to really remember except 2018 and even that we lost in the wild card. So I don't know. I think they're definitely on hot seats. The, if they're going to get rid of one, they're going to get rid of both. And Ryan Pace's contract is up after next season. And Nagy still has two more years left. So I think that was the thing too. They, especially with the pandemic, losing a lot of money. If they got rid of Nagy and Pace, that would have costed them $30 million. So financially speaking, maybe it wasn't the smartest move for them to make. But at the end of the day, you know, who cares? You, you want to, I mean, I think you want to win games. You want to be a winning franchise. I mean, the Bears have a long history. They have a rich history. They're not a newer team like the Texans, you know, they're not, or they're not a, a team like the Jaguars who don't have the best history. You know, they've made some playoff appearances here and there, but they're just not remembered. I mean, the bears are one of the original NFL teams. They've had so many hall of famers. They're the Chicago bears. That's a pretty big franchise in the NFL. You think you, you know, you'd want them to be good again. And I just, I, I don't see it, and I don't think Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are the guys to bring the Bears back to contention. So I, I'm not really looking forward to next season. Um, obviously, come August, I'll probably say I am. But as of right now, after that loss, after the news of them coming back, I just there's really not too much to look forward to. And pretty much we're just going to lose Allen Robinson. We're probably bringing a awful veteran quarterback and we'll finish eight and eight or worse and nothing will change. And then I got to wait a whole nother year for hopefully change to happen. So the bears can flip the script and start to be a true contender, not a fake contender, how they've been the past couple of years. There's definitely a lot to take in with that, Steve. I will say that as disappointing as it is, there are some pieces that I do like about your team. I was very impressed with David Montgomery towards the end of the season. He was putting up some great numbers. I also think that your defensive line is nice. I like what you I like the pressure that you guys bring to offensive lines. You guys battle in the trenches decently. Obviously, when it came to a team like New Orleans, there was so much you had to deal with. When I look at Chicago, I think they have pieces, but are the guys that are operating the team the right guys to put those pieces together? That's the question that you got to really look at. 
And that I think that you nailed it on the head. You know, like you said, it is, we do have talent and there is pieces and we do have a pretty young core to work with. Like you said, we don't have a good quarterback leading the team, especially the offense. And then do we, we don't really, I don't think really have a good uh, head coach. And like I said, Nagy, I think Nagy is a good leader, and but I don't know if he's a right one for our team, and or Ryan Pace. Can I trust him putting a few more pieces together? Um, and I just those are the big questions, and so far it seems to be like Nagy and Pace aren't those guys. So I guess, like I said, we'll have to wait and see what the off season brings, what next season brings, and then go from there. Because as of now there won't be too much change, at least in the front office. It might be some personnel change. Uh, obviously, we're going to have a new defensive coordinator, Chuck Pagano retired, which, listen, I have a lot of respect for Chuck. Uh, I'm saying it like I know him, but I have a lot of respect for Coach Pagano. But he, he just didn't really s- scheme our players well. The way he was using Eddie Jackson just didn't benefit Eddie Jackson. The way he was using Cleo Mack just didn't benefit Cleo Mack. So I'm hoping our new defensive coordinator, who I, I think um, I really like our defensive line coach, Jay Rogers, keeping it in-house. He's been with these guys when John Fox was here, so he's familiar with this team, which defense works best. Um, so I think you just promote him. And then the quarterback situation is definitely going to be the, the biggest topic again during the offseason, but hof- hopefully – I'm pray to God that they hit it and actually make the right move that pays off. And we don't have to be answering this question once again, but knowing the bears probably won't happen. Not to sound negative. You think they draft or do you think they should sign someone? Well, that's tough because we're at pick 20, not in the most ideal situation to land when the top quarterbacks, I guess you could try to get a guy like Mac Jones. Jones, Which, listen, I like Mac, but Mac's a little immobile, and the Bears don't have that offensive line to protect him. Um, if you went to New England, I think New England's a good fit for him. So we probably need a more mobile guy. So, you know, if you try to get a guy like Trey Lance or Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Justin Fields and Zach Wilson are probably going to go too high. Trey Lance you could probably get, but you're probably going to have to trade off, which Ryan Pace is not scared of doing, as we all know. So it seems like trade or free agency is a more ideal one. So whether you got two uh, scenarios, then a lot of quarterbacks on the hot seat, Cam Newton, Carson Wentz. Do you think Uh, either one of them would end up in Chicago? uh, um, See Wentz now that Peterson's fired, I think we'll stay. Uh, And plus with Wentz, I don't know if I'd want to take on his huge contract and you know, if him and Nagy didn't work out, then we're stuck with his contract. So I wouldn't want that. And then Cam, I just don't know if, if Nagy wasn't able to play to Mitch's strengths, I don't know how he'll do with Cam. I mean, we saw with Cam in New England, didn't work out at all. He ran the ball pretty good, but he couldn't pass it. He, he did worse than Mitch passing. So we need a guy that can move the ball and cam just didn't seem to do that in new england so i don't know if chicago will be the best fit so that's why it, it's tough i really don't you know i'm thinking a guy like dak but i don't know if he'll leave dallas and same thing he's gonna cost a lot but i, I like dak prescott a lot oh I, and then i think he's leaving you think he's leaving i do too i mean listen i'll take dak in a heartbeat i really i do like dak a lot and i know he's coming off a pretty serious ankle injury but I mean, these guys come back from ACLs and a lot. And look at Alex Smith. Uh, really, that's the only example we should be using. Look at Alex Smith almost had his leg amputated, and he led Washington to a, a postseason berth. Yeah. So I don't mind Dak. And then, my, I mean, I don't know how likely it is, but I just would love Deshaun Watson. If I was the Bears general manager in 2017, Deshaun Watson would be on the Bears right now. And I'm not just saying that. Just because he's he worked the on NFL. quarterback available at the time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how hard it really was for Pace to make that. You know, Mitch offered some upside, 
But Deshaun Watson was by far just won the national championship with Clemson. Okay, I get Pat Mahomes. No one really expected him to be a star, but no one really was talking about Mitch Trubisky the way they were talking about Deshaun in 2017. No. And Mitch had one year starting. Deshaun started multiple years. And the best part was he was a winner. It wasn't like he just started at Clemson. Like, just because you go to Clemson or these teams doesn't mean you're going to be a winner. Like, you still have to go out and play. And he still went out, put up big numbers, and won. And the Texans, they, they, they did it right that year. So, just saying, I, I – the Bears would be a lot better spot if I was general manager. So for all the other teams, if they're looking for new GMs, you know, I'm a, I got a job opening. So, Steve, I, I think Pace has got a real problem with you on his corner now. <laughs> but, Probably. Uh, but I definitely feel your struggles with the GM and, and drafting, of course, as a Giants fan. Dave Gettleman staying with the team, which I've accepted at this point. But now the real question is, can you draft the Giants' needs? And if you're not going to draft our needs, can you complete that during the offseason? Obviously, signing Leonard Williams is huge. I loved him this this season. Big Cat was incredible. He The quarterback pressures, the sacks, the tackles, I could go on and on. Signing him is the number one priority. Then after that, got to go for a receiver. Now – whether that's signing someone like Curtis Samuel, for example, who Gettleman drafted, who had a pretty good season with Carolina. I was happy with Curtis Samuel. I'd be happy with him at the number two. Or do you stick with Sterling Shepard? Do you get rid of Golden Tate and find a slot? Or do you make that slot someone you draft? I really don't know. All I know is that the Giants need is a wide receiver. And if they don't draft that, then give me someone to come off the edge because we know that the three guys in the middle of the line, Tomlinson, Williams, Dexter Lawrence, another Clemson player who's been killing it in the league. You got those three guys right there. Now you need someone on the outside to come in and you're looking at a really great Giants defense. So we'll see what happens. You know, Jalen, if, if we can draft him at 11, I'd be very happy with him. I mean, the fact that he, what was it? He had a high ankle sprain in the championship game. Yeah, like he had ankle surgery that cost he, him most of the year. Yeah, he like broke his yeah, ankle he, in one of the games. He showed, me, he showed me his real toughness. So that's what I think the Giants need. Anything, anything that I'm missing that you guys see that the Giants, they need to pick up on? or? Well, Josh, did you want to go first? Uh, you got it. All right, thank you. Uh well, I know definitely you said receiver and pass rush, and I, you definitely need receivers, but you got some weapons, and you, you, there's enough in free agency and the draft to where you can get one, um, but you definitely need pass rush. Like you said, Big Dex, uh, Tomlinson, they're great, you know, in the middle, especially stuffing the run, but they're big boys. Or they can pass, you know, they can rush the passer, but these, these quarterbacks are pretty quick now. Um, and Leonard Williams was the only one to consistently get to the quarterback. And, you, again, you need someone off the edge. So I've been seeing guys like Quiddy Pay from Michigan, pretty you know athletic guy who in a short and Big Ten season, and he also kind of injured himself, um, nothing serious, but kind of a nagging ankle injury or something, you know, put up some pretty decent numbers. So I've been seeing Quiddy Pay mock to the Giants a lot, which I think would be a good fit. Um, the one that's actually been kind of, I can't say surprising, but it's becoming more and more in mock drafts is Kyle Pitts, the tight end from Florida. How to say that. <laughs> and I like Pitts a lot. He's a big dude, but he's athletic, but he's got hands for days. That dude could catch the ball. It doesn't matter where you throw it. He will come down with it. And with Engram coming, uh, coming down the season with the drops, it seems more and more likely that the Giants could target a new tight end. We and need to badly, <laughs> badly. Well, that's the thing. You know, I don't know if you then, what you do with Engram, trade him or move him to the outside. I don't know what you do with him, but it seems like Kyle, and plus Kyle Pitts can almost play receiver. I mean, this dude is really athletic, even though he's a big dude, he's athletic. And like I said, he can really catch the ball. So 
The Giants, I, I like the Giants in the future in the direction they're heading with Joe Judge. I think they're a few pieces away. Another a star receiver. You need you know another legitimate receiver. If you get pass rush and maybe another lineman or so, watch out. I mean, you guys can easily compete in that division because we saw this year uh, you guys were one game away and you were still 6-10. and 10. So Joe Judge another year. Um, Daniel Jones hopefully will – you, you got to do something about the play calling, though. You definitely have to do something about the play calling. There, there's little, little things that we need to take care of, but – I would say, and, and you just reminded me, get rid of Evan Ingram. Listen, he's very talented. I'm not going to deny that. But when I think of a tight end, obviously catching the ball is essential, but Ingram can't block. And, when, and with an offense that is still developing their line, having a tight end like that just doesn't help. It, it, it's, just a, it's just a recipe for disaster. Unfortunately, because Gettleman drafted him, I think he's just going to push him to work in the offseason, which fine. That's how you want to play it. Just don't drop the ball against a rivalry team and then cost us the playoff game. That, that's my one ask of whatever tight end we go after. So yeah, That's a pretty big uh, – well, not big, but it's just uh, he should just catch the ball. <laughs> It's you know it, it, you shouldn't have to ask that he should just as a tight end especially an athletic tight end like he he doesn't block he pretty much has to rely on his athleticism and his hands it's not like he's a blocking tight end and his job is to pretty much block a linebacker or the edge guy for Saquon no he he is more speed athleticism and again his hands and he really didn't show any of that this year so. He's definitely uh, has a lot to improve on in the offseason. And if he doesn't, I'm sure he won't be there too much longer. I feel that all three of our teams, despite the seasons that we've had, have potential. Maybe not next season, maybe not too, but I feel like we all have potential to be where we want to be. And we, we, we got we, we to see how it pans out. Yeah, I think, I'm not going to lie, the Giants and Jets stuff, we have a much brighter future than the Bears do. I'm kind of – I'm jealous of you guys right now. I know you guys – I know from it, you, know, you want to make the playoffs, you don't want to win just two games. And Castle, I know you guys just have been pretty awful the past couple years, and you finally came pretty close this year. But trust me, the Bears, they're not too fun right now. I mean, it's there's a lot of dilemmas in the Bears situation, and I just – it's going to be tough to fix. While the Giants and Jets, I feel like the Jets have a lot to replace, but you have a lot of assets, a lot of cap space, so it could easily be done. And I just think a new head coach in general will just be, will be the – fix the problem. It's, he, Adam Gase is so bad. Considering the coach we're looking at, uh, I'm more than pleased right now. Is it uh, Robert Sala? got Salo, we got Biennemi, Arthur Smith. I think those are the final three. I, I love Salo. I love, I, I'd be ha- – if, if something, God forbid, were to happen with Joe Judge and he was our new coach, I'd be so satisfied with it. The only problem is it's really for Salo. It looks like it's between us and Philly. Yeah, he's been liking Philly ever since Doug Peterson got fired. Not what I like to hear. No. I, sorry. And plus, Salo, they said, is – got quite a staff that would come with him. So not only are you getting Salah, but you're getting all of his guys. So that could really work out for whatever team gets him, whether it's Philly, Sorry Castle, or the Jets. Good for you. I don't really see I don't really see him coming to the Jets. I think it'll end up being either Arthur Smith or Bianami. Either or I think will be fine. Hope he doesn't go to Philly and I hope the Jets get the coach that they want. But we gotta wait and see what happens as always. There's a lot more in the NFL to come with what's left this season with the games and the decisions, more to come with the NBA, with what's going on with the pandemic and with the games going on. And we got the beginning of the NHL going. So much more to come, but that's all the time that we have today. As always at the end of the show, we like to give a couple shout outs, shout out to Matt Angler, head of our social media, 
always does a great job posting accurately, giving you guys the information that you need. If you aren't already following at this point, go follow us at Instagram at the three P podcast. And I also want to give a shout out to our partner, wild chat sports. They do a great job of producing entertainment and sports content. If you want to see what they do, they actually recently posted a interview with musician Sammy Adams, where he talks about a different side of Bill Belichick that I didn't expect to hear about. So you guys go check that out. Keep liking our stuff. Keep following us. As always, I'd like to thank my two hosts for joining, co-hosts for joining me today. Another great show, and we will see you guys next week.